Can you put yourself on mute? younger self or give my younger self some advice what I would have told him before he went down the wrong path is that you are destined for greatness that is what my mentors told me they told me when I was 17 years old that you're destined for greatness and I took that I ate it up and look what I've become without a high school education he is a single father a musician and serial entrepreneur who started his early teenage years on the edge of society, which is how he saw his future until concerned community leaders and mentors entered his life. Overnight, martial arts, entrepreneurialism, and music became the focus of his existence, which opened up a new world of opportunities. Ryan's life now encompassed a community which embraced him as a youth and saw that he could make a difference. The age of 20, Ryan's life Ryan now encompassed Calgary Stampede Western Legacy Award for his commitment to Western heritage and values that Southern Alberta is known for. He was a part of the first group to ever receive such a prestigious award. The award was given to him for his active participation in the community, mentoring youth and women in need teaching them how to find their voice and channel their anger through martial arts and music. Now, Ryan has a new mission, which is to help build better communities by encouraging all walks of life the beauty of entrepreneurialism. Most importantly, to empower people to take action. My friends, welcome to The Hustle Zone. Hey, what's up? This is RP to God, aka Ryan Perez, owner and founder of Bowtie Creative. We are a website development company uh, that donates free websites to entrepreneurs with disabilities. So yes, if you know anyone that um, you know that would be fit for the program, please ask them to get in contact with me. My website is www.bowtiecreative.com. So folks, welcome to the Hustle Zone. Uh, we got we got a very special guest. I've been I've been begging this 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 gentleman for like decades for him to mentor me, but because he's such a busy entrepreneur, he doesn't get the chance. So I'm gonna see if we can uh, after this meeting that we're gonna get some dates so we can sit down and talk or virtually sit down and talk. But he's he is a fantastic uh, uh, person. Um, he's into real estate. You know he's he's a techie like myself. Uh, he has way more experience than I do in in web development and and programming and you know video editing and all kinds of things. So I I, I really want um, you guys. The other thing too, before we before I introduce you to my guest, I just want to to say is that people have this idea that entrepreneurs are are motivational speakers in suits, you know that. You know, look like uh, I don't know. I don't know what celebrity that looks good because I don't really follow that stuff. But you know, that look good. And a lot of us are 
not in suits. Like myself, if you if you see me out in the streets, you're not going to know that I'm an entrepreneur. When you see Paul, you're not going to know that he's an entrepreneur. But he is a really successful entrepreneur. And that's why I, I, I like associating myself with, with guys like that. You know, and um, he has a lot. To, I, I, I can't wait to have him on the show because he has a lot to say and I'm going to pick his brain as much as I can. So please welcome Paul Walhues. How's it going? Hey, Ryan, it's going great. And uh, <laughs> thanks for all. I don't know if I could live up to that, but I'll try. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm in Austin, Texas. You know, we, if I, I, I've got suits in that closet back there, but if I put a suit on and went to any entrepreneurial meeting or uh, backroom gathering in Austin, they, they'd look at me like, you're, who are you? You know, why are, why are you all dressed up? You know, this is Austin, Texas. We don't dress up. There's, in fact, the norm is dressed down as much as possible. Right, and just like here in Calgary, I remember when I was young and I I, I was working for Xerox, and you know, a lot of the I would wear my suit, but a lot of the guys would wear the golf shirts and and whatnot because just it just in in Calgary here, it, it wasn't necessary for you to over overdress right and uh, a lot of people have a different everyone has a different perspective of what an entrepreneur is and a lot of the motivational speakers and multi-level marketing guys they come up and they have they they kind of own that image or they own that branding in terms of business person but I, I really want you know when people watch the hustle zone I want them to see a wide variety of people that you know some live really basic lives but are very wealthy. Some of them have exciting lives. I know you have an exciting life because every time when we were on Blab, you know, I, I seen you 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 were in this place where you had laser beams all over the place. <laughs> and it I mean, was I can drag huge. them out now if you want. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, so either way, I, I thank you so much for, for coming on to the show and my the fans that watch the Hustle Zone uh, they get mad at me if they if I didn't ask you this. Uh, most people, uh, the, the thing that separates us is distance, experience. But you know we have the one things that keep like entrepreneurs connected is our habits. And uh, the the first question I normally ask my guests is, "What's your story? Like, where did you start? How did you get to where you are right now?" Well, it's a long and winding road, as, as one song says. And uh, it started out in, uh, I guess, at the University of Illinois, where uh, when I went there in the late 60s, we were just starting to learn about computers and CAD and uh, uh, geographic information systems and architectural design with computers, but we were doing it with mainframes and the early predecessors to the IBM weren't even around then. So uh, it's it's been a uh, long and winding road. The, the risk here is that I'm, I'm going to I'm going to go too long. So uh, well, this is what the show is all about. Stuff. What? This is what the show is all about. We're here to hear your story. It's all about you. So I'm, okay, I'm, so, I have all the time in the world. So from the University of Illinois, where uh, I was very lucky to get, to get with some professors who were 
pioneering in computer science because my curriculum was urban planning. I learned how to do architectural drawings. I learned uh, how to do social statistics using computers and uh, so on. And we even had like uh, classes in flow charting, you know, how to flow chart and design a program. So I was real lucky to get into it early in the game. And when I first came to Austin, Texas, I actually got a job with the very first software company to go public. And that's a trivia question that probably no one will get. And uh, when I when I landed there, I, I, this was like, this was unheard of to get a job in software back then. And this, this company designed all the accounting software for the pre-IBM PC computers. This were, these were the early stage predecessors before the IBM came out. And then IBM being also right in Austin, they came, they came over to us and said, hey, we've got this new, this new computer and it runs something called DOS. And we were wondering if you guys would help us with this, you know? So we said, yeah, yeah, we, we want to get on your computer. We're on everybody else's computer. So we worked with IBM on, on this thing that nobody had heard of called DOS, right? <laughs> DOS, <laughs> disk operating system. And at that time, a disk was uh, was a uh, either a five and a quarter or a three and a half inch floppy disk. You know, they were we're not talking hard drives. Even it was even before hard drives became prevalent. You know, and. Wow. Uh, and so we were, this was very early on and we had a lot of fun. That was a fun company. And we were doing something that nobody had heard of before and we were having a good time. And we had a lot of different colorful personalities running around and, uh, you know, Austin at the time was kind of like a, a hippie town, you know, where, you know, you've heard of, uh, the, you know, the Armadillo World Headquarters and and uh, you know, sleep at the wheel and all that. They were, it was not a town known for tech, you know, but the BPI was the first company that kind of ignited a tech revolution. And now, now we're off the charts. I'm, I mean, I risk superlatives. I risk talking too many superlatives if I talk about the present day Austin tech scene, it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll use that one superlative and, try to limit myself. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you start to, um, in, in terms of the, the, the tech world, when did it start booming for you? When did you start, you know, seeing, you know, a lot of this stuff come together and you're like, wow, you know, I'm part of a revolution. Well, you know, I had a, I had probably the first computer in Austin and I had the first, I know I had the first Apple II in Austin and I had the first IBM PC in Austin. And then uh, I got a job at computer sales, you know, and I walked into this computer store and I thought, man, I'll try computer sales, you know. And then this was something very different because I'd always been in tech and I had a very strong technical background, you know, from working at BPI and several other little startups. And so I walked into this computer store, and the owner looks at me and he says, you might, you're, you're pretty good technically, but you're, you're not gonna be able to sell computers. Come on, you, you, you don't look, you're not a salesman. I said, well, I'll give you a chance. <laughs> he, said, he, he said, oh, okay. And I said, uh, here, here, I'll make a deal with you. I, if I sell, 
this is a store that probably sells maybe a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of computers in a year you know mm -hmm. and I said I'll bet you I can sell you a million dollars worth of computers this year and I, and if I do I'll make you a bet I'll, I'll if I if I sell that many you'll have to send me to the uh, Caribbean all expenses paid for 10 days with a hundred dollar meal allowance right <laughs> and the guy said there's no way you're gonna sell a million dollars worth of computers it's not gonna happen so I said, oh, just, okay. He said he took the bet, you know, so I go to work and I'm there like three days. And he was right, I, I'm not very good at sales. So I hired a guy for 10 bucks an hour to make phone calls, right? He's making phone calls one after the other. I said, just keep making them till you get somebody that sounds like they need a lot of computers, you know, because that's <laughs> what I want. I want, a big, I want a big sale, right? So he kept calling and calling about the 30th call. He said, there's this guy on the phone, his name's Jay Cash. He's from a company that just moved here from California. And I, and I said, well, what does he want? And he said, well, he, he, he has an order for 70 computers. And I said, let me talk to him right away. Grab the phone, you know. And uh, I didn't need that guy after that day. <laughs> I went out to this company, it was called Semitech. And uh, I met with all these engineers from Motorola and IBM. Semitech is a semiconductor consortium made up of like IBM, Intel, AT&T, uh, Texas Instruments, you know, all the, the big semiconductor companies in the country. And the purpose was to put throw everybody together and trade ideas, an, an unheard of concept in capitalist America, but th this is what they were doing. So I went out there and said, look, what's been going on, you guys? What's happening? I said, well, we just got here from California and uh, we need these 70 computers, you know? And I said, great. I'll sell you some compacts and I'll sell you some IBMs. You know, they're, they were selling, going for like 10 to 12 grand each. And these were like 386s at the time. I don't know if you even know what that means. No. But, no. Uh, <laughs> they, were three, they were in 386 processors and they were huge. They were giant computers and tower cases, you know. And, and uh, so, man, I wrote that order up. That order alone was like uh, 70 grand, you know, right there, my first order. So I was on my way, and uh, the orders just kept coming in, and then they came to me, and they said, well, we're going to need some support, you know, somebody that could give us tech support on all these computers. And I said, well, I'm your guy. I said, uh, I know all about tech. And, and I've got a whole, I know a whole bunch of guys that'll help me. So I was getting like, I was getting like 120 an hour and my assistants were making $70 an hour and I was getting 25% of what they made. And uh, and then I was getting, uh, racking up orders around 100 to $200,000 a month. Some months we went up to three and 400,000. So by the end of the year, I had I had, had about three to five somewhere between three and five million in computer sales. <laughs> so you which went was unheard of. I mean that they they had never had numbers like that in the store. I mean the store literally had growing pains trying to keep up because they couldn't even they they had a hard time borrowing the money to buy these to deliver them. You know, so not only did I have to sell computers, I had to be a uh, a broker for. Uh, I had to research uh, lending institutions to borrow money from 
to buy enough computers to sell to these guys, you know, because they were on net 30, right? Right. So uh, anyway, then to finish this off, to finish the story off, uh, I go into the owner's office at the end of the year and I said, uh, I said, Bill, you remember that deal we had, don't you? I said, he said, what deal was that? What deal was that? I said, well, you know, I was going to go to the Caribbean, you know, if I sold enough computers. And I, I think I, I, I not only sold a million dollars worth, I sold about three or four times that, you know. And then I looked down at his desk. You know what I, you know what was laying on his desk? Were two tickets to the Cayman Islands for 10 days. Wow. So off I went, man, to the Cayman Islands. Wow. He had forgotten all about our bet, you know, but he just happened. It just happened because I had sold the most NEC computers of anyone, Mm -hmm. printers, excuse me, most NEC printers of anyone, that NEC had sent him these two tickets, right? Yeah. Just coincidentally, they were laying on his desk, you know, and I just happened to notice them. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So uh, what what made you so successful in that situation? I mean... Uh, a lot well, of people luck, would want to know, like, lot, how, could, how could I sell luck, that much? Luck had a lot to do with it. I mean, I was at the right place at the right time. I had a positive attitude, but I just, I just lucked, you know, I lucked into that call from, you know, for, from this, uh, you know, the, from these uh, people at Semitech. That was just lucky, pure luck, you know, so I can't take all the credit for that it it was a matter of timing and there's so many other business opportunities where i wasn't at the right place at the right time to make up for it but there were a few times where i was at the right place at the right time you know and you kick yourself for for what you could have done but you just have to move on you know right uh and and that's that's uh that's a big big point that you're making because i um even for myself I could be lucky, but it, I'm lucky because I'm always there. I'm always available. I'm always ready. You know, I'm. You know, I people know me that I'm constantly grinding. I, I like. I don't even leave my house. Like this is where this is where I work. This is what I do every day. But you know, in order for me to catch those leads, in order for me to 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 see new opportunities, I always have to have my my ear on the ground. And you know, so I think that. We, we can't predict luck, but we can predict really good habits. Absolutely, and, yeah. You do have to be prepared and ready, you know, for the opportunity. And you have to recognize the opportunity when it, when it pops up. You have to create an environment where, where those kind of opportunities can grow, too, you know, where they can occur. Mm-hmm. And I think I've provided a good environment for that. And, uh, and it, it and I worked for many, many startup companies in Austin. I worked for IBM in uh, user-centered design for a while. I worked at Tivoli. Uh, a lot of there were a lot of smaller startup companies that I worked for. I worked for one of the uh, first browser companies too. That that it was actually before uh, you know before Netscape had even taken hold and long before Google Chrome, you know, and, and all that. So it was interesting to work for a uh, company making a browser, you know. And that browser, no, you've never heard of because it never really took off. It was called Galaxy. 
back then. Oh wow! Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's go. Let's dive back before you know the tech days, and you know when you how how what was your childhood like? Well, I grew up in Chautauqua, Illinois, which was a wonderful little town that was uh, situated between two large bluffs on the Mississippi River. And it was just a little tiny town, but they had, it was like an engineered town where they had, uh, had the focal point was the children in the town where they had badminton courts and, and, and uh, tennis courts and a big swimming pool and, and archery classes and fencing classes and just all all summer long you know there were the, this activities for kids the kids had a play so it was a very creative environment for children i wish that uh our society would would think more in terms of children and supporting children like that community did when i grew up you know because i don't think we're 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 necessarily uh child-centric in this culture you know we, we don't think too much about the the kids and the, how important they are you know for our future right and um what about parenting how was uh how were you raised in terms of parenting uh my parents weren't real strict they were they were uh, pretty lenient they let me get away with a lot i never got in trouble except for once or twice and uh then I ended up in uh, high school in uh, St. Louis. I, I was a big into sports, into basketball and track mostly. And uh, I still like sports. I still like fitness activities. I got recently got the uh, Nike watch. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you have to tap on it to make it light up. There it goes. Oh, nice. The Nike watch. Which which tracks your activities and tells you, just it tells you even to stand up and get busy. And when you go for a walk, you program it for a walk. If you go for a run, you program it for a run. And now they've even got the swimming, you know. So I'm a real big fan of the current uh, craze for quantified uh, fitness, you know, quantified uh, tracking. Mm -hmm. And. Um did your parents ever know that um, that you were going to be as successful as you are now? I don't think so. I think my mom probably expected me to be highly successful, but not in quite the way that I was, more in a traditional business way, you know. And, and uh, my dad, I'm not sure, he probably uh, wanted me to succeed. I don't know if he had high as high expectations for me is my mom though mm -hmm. and um, did you know did you even have an idea that you know like when you were young that I mean you wouldn't have known what you would have accomplished but you know did you know that you were going to succeed in something did you have an inclination no, no I didn't I didn't have any idea I wanted to when I was young when I was a kid I wanted to be an astronomer <laughs> I had no clue, you know. <laughs> then I found out that there's a lot of math to be an astronomer. That there's calculus, and I decided, well, maybe I don't want to be an astronomer. <laughs> so now, fast forwarding, 
you know, you, you've, you've, you've developed some success around technology and you get into real estate. Can you tell us a little bit about the real estate? Well, you know, I do, I do a lot of buying and selling and flipping, which I guess is the term they use a lot, you know, condos and houses. But my project, my big project is like a where I am now, it's 15 acre rural village outside of Austin. And basically it provides low cost, but high quality housing for people. And you know, there's this, this whole tiny house movement, we're part of that. And we also have vintage Airstream trailers. And then we built some very large houses that people share. And we built some medium sized houses that are duplexes and then I built a built this house, which is five thousand square feet for myself. Whoa! And uh, and so it's quite developed, but at the same time, uh, it's a very quiet, peaceful environment where people can have their peaceful enjoyment. And uh, yet, if they want to, there's there's people out here that are interesting to talk to and get together with. Everybody's. Uh, there, we have people that are architects. We have people that are movie set designers. We have musicians. We have uh, some guy who's just like a, a hippie, you know. He just r runs around with Rasta hair, and but he's real helpful. He helps everybody <laughs> all the time, you know. He's always there to help people. And then we have uh, a couple women who are work in the food industries, you know, and restaurant or hotels and restaurants and then for a while we had an intern program where we brought in people from the Philippines and they stayed here and worked at a nearby resort in fact we at one point we had 18 Filipino young women and men staying here 18 wow 18 yeah that's a lot of 14 people. 14 women and four men. They were all in there either twenty or twenty one years old. And they were all here on internships at this hotel. Wow. And when you what made you think to do this, to, to, to be a part of this project, um, you know, with, with the land and building these It wasn't a, a huge amount of conscious forethought or planning, you know, and, th and that's one thing that I'm supposed to be a good at is planning. But, but this didn't come together with a lot of conscious planning. It kind of grew organically. It grew, well, I think I'll build a house for myself. And then, well, I think I'll build another house, you know, and rent, <laughs> rent it out to people. And then, oh, I guess I'll get some Airstream trailers. So I got about a half a dozen Airstream trailers and fix those up. And it was just like, uh, there was no master plan. It was just grew inch at a time, you know. Yeah. So you just kind of grew over time and, you yeah. know, you seem to be like just level-headed, you know, because I, I, I know I know people that are like, man, I want Ferraris, I want 10 million of them. And, you know, they're out there driving and, you know, I, but you seem very calm. I'm not sure how many, like, cars you actually have and if you like Ferraris, uh, but, you know, what what tends to drive you? in terms of, uh, like, yeah, what what drives you in, in, in general? You mean what kind of car do I drive? Well, no, what drives you? Just like what, what sort of, do you have um, things that you, that you, that you like that drives you to, to want to be, I don't know. 
the thing that the thing that drives me mostly is just it's not so much so much money or wealth it's more health that drives me you know wanting to be active and healthy and always occupied and always doing something and always moving you know and being in motion is important in fact we had a we had i rented a the upstairs of one of our houses to a couple, uh, Julie Angel and Vic Verdier, and they were they were really interesting entrepreneurs because they were uh, promoting something called MoveNat, M-O-V-N-A-T, which is short for Movement and Nature, and they would take people out in the woods and uh, teach them how to survive and teach them how to climb trees and and. Go, you know, get through, get across creeks and just, you know, movement in nature. So we, we have a really, really nice natural setting out here with this big creek and uh, big, big giant trees and just this beautiful uh, natural setting. So there's a lot of, a lot of uh, opportunity to go on walks and bike rides. And we have, we've got a golf cart path and it's, it's real nice to be in a, a natural setting where you you don't have to worry about cars you don't have to worry about getting robbed or anything or being out at night if you're a woman you know it's just nice to be in a comfortable setting you know around other people who are friendly yeah i i what i notice about you um because i've seen your i've seen a few things that you've done in the past uh what i noticed is that you are pretty active like on your on your Google Plus, I mean, it's hard to keep up with you. You have more exciting life than 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 I have in terms of your social engagement and and whatnot. But you're a part of a lot. Do you? I I see a lot of pictures. Do you do photography? I love photography. Yeah, and and you know these new new phones they, that they have now, the the Samsung Seven and the uh, the uh, this iPhone uh, 7 yeah 7 plus what an awesome phone this is you know yeah oh yeah that's a great phone I love this phone and it takes great photos you know it's got this great uh, camera here that's just it's got two cameras better than a, better than a, a DSLR no but uh, I'm just talking pure convenience and, yeah Maybe you're, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage of quality you get of a feast. I mean, obviously my Sony Alpha Seven is a better camera than my phone camera. Right. And uh, but look what it weighs, look how big it is, and look how conspicuous I am using it in like a public, you know, or social situation. And I like to do a lot of social photography and I don't want to stand out as the photographer I don't want people to look at me as he's the photographer you know I don't want that <laughs> I just want to kind of blend into the background and take pictures of natural events as they occur you know without influencing the picture yeah for sure well that's that's amazing so we're gonna cut to commercial and then we'll be back to to wrap things up uh, so, uh, I, if you don't mind, if you can put yourself on mute for about two minutes and I'll cue you back in.
A web design company in Calgary is taking the concept of helping others to a whole new level. And as Robin Crawford reports, it was an Okanagan man who inspired them to use their tech skills to help people with disabilities. It gives me great pleasure to introduce to you Michael D. Haynes. A motivational speaker, an entrepreneur, and a businessman. Michael Haynes is doing it all. And I absolutely love it. It's the best job I've ever had. In the beginning, Haynes admits that he didn't know how to get his customer service consulting business off the ground. And then he met Ryan Perez with Bowtie Creative. For every website that we sell, we donate uh, free websites to entrepreneurs with disabilities. The Calgary-based company builds websites for businesses. Haynes knew he needed a website to promote himself and Perez knew he had the tools to help. We were always talking about working um, um, in the, in, or doing something for the disability, or for the, for people with disabilities, uh, but we didn't know what we were going to do, and I thought that this was a great time to, um, to do something, and, and so we invented this whole initiative like pretty much around Michael. Bowtie Creative built and maintains an entire website for Haynes free of charge. He's um, put my ideas into action and that's made my, my job so much easier. It's an initiative that the four-person company is proud of. It's especially close to Perez's heart because he himself has dyslexia. I paved my own path and that's why this, this, this project means so much to me because I want to help other people create their paths. Bowtie Creative is now helping other people with mental and physical challenges build websites across North America, all because of Michael Haynes. He's a great guy and it's fantastic working with him and I can't wait to see what happens next for him. If you know um, anyone that has a mental or physical disability, that wants to become an entrepreneur or you know needs to needs help to get started in the right direction definitely check out our website Haynes hopes with the kind of support offered by Perez and his team more people will find the confidence to reach their goals I have a challenge you have a challenge there's not a person alive without a challenge I'm my challenge is more pronounced than, than yours. Robin Crawford, Global News. Okay, and we are back. So um, so we're at the second half of the Hustle Zone. And um, so I have a few... We're going to change the line of questioning here. Uh, so the first question I want to ask you, if uh, uh, if you don't mind... What what's your favorite dessert? Um, cherries and yogurt. Cherries and yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty simple dessert. Some people say you know, uh, cheesecake and whatnot. But why why cherries and and yogurt? I don't know. I like cherries and I like I just like the combination. I use some kind of custardy type yogurt. My wife. Uh, feeds it to me a lot, and I really enjoy it. <laughs> what 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 makes you happy? Uh, being healthy makes me happy, and uh, being wealthy makes me happy. Wealthy and healthy. I have a friend that has a uh, business in Austin, and she she calls it 
healthy, wealthy, but the wealthy is W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. Her, actually, her name is Wealthy Wealthy. It's wealthy <laughs> like you'd expect it, and then wealthy, W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. So being uh, comfortable enough not to worry too much and being healthy, you can't, healthy, health is in fitness and uh, feeling feeling good and pe- being active are, are things that uh, are the most important to me. Right. And um, what, what what's your biggest pet peeve? Oh gosh, my biggest pet peeve. Is people who hold grudges who never give up their grudges. <laughs> so you're explaining. Why? I mean, why? Why would you do that? I mean, my wife and I get in a big argument. It lasts one day at the most, at the max. We don't carry a grudge past that, you know. Mm-hmm. And what what constitutes, uh, or what what can you say to all those young folks that are getting married? What? How how do you keep a, a solid marriage together? Don't be. Don't rush into it. Make sure that it's the right marriage because you don't want to have to keep redoing it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Most because definitely. A lot, of people, right? a lot of people have to redo this this because they, you know, they have to hit the undo key and then go into the set another cycle. You know, so just take your time. Don't be in a rush and try to get it right the first time. You know. Yeah. What would you give, what advice would you give uh, young entrepreneurs that want to be successful? Uh, to try to try to expose themselves to, to news and, and uh, read a lot, learn a lot, and, uh, you know, have the right tools, software tools, apps, and then try to be on the leading edge. Try to be a little bit ahead of the curve, you know. Mm-hmm. Like that's that a lot of my success, if you call it success, what I mean, just you know, the fact that I was able to make a good livelihood. I don't want to get hung up on this success thing. Yeah. But uh, basically, just I was always able to see what was coming next. You know, and it's a little harder now that I'm 72 years old to see what's coming next because I'm kind of retired now. You know, but when I was when I was in the prime, I, I was always a step ahead. So you want to try to get a step ahead, figure out the next, the next thing that's coming along. Right, right. And um, w- w- last question: If you could look at your young, younger self, what would you tell them? I would tell them to learn a lot more about business, and uh, and focus on learning business, learning accounting, learning finance, learning uh, marketing and sales, and uh, just get a better, more solid business background. Don't, you know, you really have to think of uh, what's going to be important later on down the line. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes if you're just a pure philosophy major or something, it may not cut it later on, you know. You may not have the tools that you need. You've got to think about what tools you're going to need, and a lot of the most important tools to be successful are knowing about business. And I, I shorted myself in my business training and knowledge when I was younger. I was more pure tech rather than than you know focused on the the business. So I, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't have gotten a, 
urban planning slash computer science degree, I would have gotten an MBA. An MBA. And, yeah, an MBA with a focus in technical, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing, Paul. I really enjoyed this conversation. Where can people find you? Uh, well, uh, I'm on austinspring.com is my blog and my uh, place where I hang out if you want to hang out with me is called austinhangout.com and if you go there and nobody's there just uh, invite your invite me or don't invite me or invite your friends and uh, we can chat some more if you want to carry on this uh, conversation some more that we've started today yeah for sure and what's texascoworking.com? That's a company I started. It was the second, I believe it was the second co-working space in Austin after uh, Conjuncture. And uh, it was a physical co-working space that was right in the heart of Austin, right at 6th and Congress, which is, uh, what, which is, is the heart of Austin. It's like the part of, it's the center of downtown. And then uh, I got bought out by my partner. Then he folded because they raised the rent. <laughs> and then he died. Oh, and, no. But, but now I have uh, the name. I have the Texas Coworking website, and I'm using that to kind of uh, steer people to different co-working spaces in the Austin area. And I've, I'll have an announcement in about a week. I'm starting a new venture with a partner in New York City who's already been doing this in New York City. And what it is, it'll be a co-working pass where if you have this pass or this card, you can go to any co-working spot. And in Austin, we have like 20 or 30, between 20 and 30 co-working spaces. And I noticed that a lot of people don't want to be at one place all the time. They like to jump around and meet other people and yeah. do this. So I'm working on disseminating this co-working card in Austin so that, that you can co-work wherever you want and if you happen to travel to New York or San Francisco or Toronto, Toronto's one of them, that you'll have uh, access to all the co-working facilities uh, wherever you go. Well that's pretty cool. So would you come back onto the Hustle Zone if you went, once you're ready to launch I'd, ha I'd be happy to have you back on so that you can tell us more about it. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of early. I'm, I'm just uh, figuring out how to do sales calls on this thing right now, but uh, I'll get that figured out and I'll get back with you. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, did you enjoy your time in the hustle zone? Was it worth I it? Did. I did. You know that I thought from the name. You know, I thought we were we were going to have a sports show. <laughs> I had no idea. And you you remind me, you're the spinning image of a Mark Phillips. A friend of mine in Austin, you got to see this guy because he looked. You you guys look exactly alike, and he's he's an entrepreneur you might want to talk to because he's done a lot with uh, sports and he has this thing called "Are You Watching This?" But anyway, that's yeah. that might be another good show for you down the line. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and um, <laughs> you know, I would love to 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 have more conversations with you, my friend. So, thank you so much for for. Um, um, for coming into the hustle zone. So there's one last thing that I'm going to ask you to do. And if you haven't seen the show, then <laughs> I'll, have to let you, I'll uh, let you know here. So I'm going to do a call and response. 
So I'm going to be like, welcome to the, and then you're going to say hustle zone, but you have to yell it out. You got to. Okay. Okay. So welcome to, to the, the hustle zone. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciated this. This was, this was, uh,